Are you there? Hello? Oh, man. Hello? Wow, it worked, it works. Apologies. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Are you? I'm doing okay. What are you up to right now? I am actually finished um, uploading a video. I was just, uh, I'm doing a, a, a one-chapter summary at a time of Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crushing It, and just posting it on Instagram and YouTube. I think I saw you post it, and I, I, I'm kind of frustrated because I'm very dyslexic and ADD, and I, got, I just learned how to do Audible books, and I got Gary's Audible book, but I think it only comes out next month. Or January. Yes. Yeah, on the 8th or something like that, and I was like, I wasn't bummed. Well, maybe I was a little bummed I spent the money on it, but I was like, dang it, I spent the money, and I don't even get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I totally understand the frustration, man. How, yeah, how, he just how, can't get in it. Um, phenomenal. So, uh, you know, for me, um, I liked, I liked crush, crush it the first one and not that I made me do anything. Actually, when I heard him speak, that's what kind of gave me the, per not the permission, but just the idea of, you know, and I, despite the heavy compliance company or industry that I'm in, I still need to allow my voice Sherman on to be, to be heard. And so that's kind of what, what started a lot of things. And so, um, and being a practitioner, you pick up a lot of stuff at the same time because I'm not like running an advertising agency or in marketing. You know, I don't have the expertise that someone like you has. Um, so for me, like reading something like this, it's nice to hear what other people have done in order to really just, um, you know, take their social media presence and some of their ideas or passions and really transform it. Plus, you know, there's a lot of stories about it's just showing that it's not an overnight success. And for still some of these people, even though they're crushing it, doesn't mean that they've hit their goals or their lifestyle or their, you know, everything that they're, they're shooting for, but they're, they're moving in a direction that they're, they're very happy about and satisfied. So. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I think those are some very good points. Um, if we if we had to quickly say so crush it and then crushing it of course Gary's that's the biggest marketing thing ever to say like crushing it told you so and then that's that's how he does his advertising for one day I'll get the, the jets but what what chapter are you on right now and what are you starting to see the biggest difference of value compared to like um, let's just say the average individual we don't have to say corporate America we don't have to say entrepreneur just like Jesse works a job and it's like it pays the bills and the mortgage and he has two kids. Um, no, but there's this more along the lines of just, you know, the video game Sims back in the day. Where yes. You the default character. If you got the default character on Sims and one per and he read crush it and then crushing it. 
right now you're reading Crushing It. Put it. Put yourself in the Sims default character. What would you say is the most beneficial thing? Um, the differentiation between the two. Yeah. So first, answer your question. I mean, I mean, chapter six, um, which is entitled First Do This. So it's now kind of getting into more of a strategy. So the way that he split up the book was um, in kind of two different segments. One, get get pumped. And then part two is create your pillar. And so the the first, so I'd say one of the biggest things for anyone, whether you're entrepreneurial or not, is that by hearing other people's stories is extremely helpful for people, I think, to understand how they can build it themselves. And and when I mean build it themselves, that it, it's just the firm belief that you should be able to figure a way to marry your entrepreneur, not, not your entrepreneur, your passion of what you like doing and also driving an income. Because I think sometimes people have the attitude that those are on total polar opposites. If I like what I do, I'm not going to get paid well for it. And so, I mean, one example he uses is there's a, it's a high school um, teacher, an art, an art teacher that, and this is the intro, that saw all this, you know, happening between wine and painting. And he's like, oh, my gosh, like I, I'm a fine art. You know, like he loves fine art. And so he's like, I should be doing this for free. I'm, I'm a perfect person. I love teaching. Plus, I love art. And so he went for his alma mater, said, hey, I'll, uh, you know, I want to teach this. I think, I think like 100 people came. And, you know, he didn't charge anything. He just, and then he just started using Instagram saying, hey, you wanna, do you guys want to do some, you know, wine and art? And, and then he's been selling some of his art pieces. The last one auctioned off for 1300 bucks. So he'll make about 30000 bucks on top of his teaching salary just doing this little side hustle. So I think for a lot of people, they get ingrained with this notion that we have an eight-hour workday. You know, that was really brought upon from um, Henry Ford, who had these shifts working to create the assembly line of all these cars. But I think it'll be more common for people to have just like a side hustle, whether they're, you know, driving Uber on the side or renting out their house Airbnb when they're out of, out of the state for three months out of the year. Or, you know, I think there's just a, another way to be able to earn income. Yeah, definitely. So hmm. I like how you put that because we, you talked about how you can make an additional 30,000 and you're doing what you love. And then say, if you're a teacher and a painter, now you're a painter and a teacher. And it sounds like, honestly, like if you have a creative mind and you like teaching, what better job than to be a teacher for kids. And then also on your side, you draw and paint like yeah. it's almost too good to be true. And then now if you start looking at I like, it's like, I, uh, I told my buddy, uh, actually last night he got a, he got a brand new apartment. He's a little younger than me. I, I mention him all the time. Nick grieve. Um, okay. it's just, it, you, you'd have to see in my comments and something, but it's like this kid, I've known him since he's 14, but I openly say this not because I like to be like nice and joke about, it, but if I worked with him, he would put me out of business. He works harder than me. He's smarter. He just, he's a step ahead of the game and that's yeah. why I like him. Because I'm 24 and this kid, he's, he's uh, 20, 21, 22 now. No, I think he's 22, but I, that's exactly how I think of him as a kid. And it's yeah. because when I was like 18, he was like 15, 16. But the ball changed, like if the flip of a switch, um, he saw that I was always working my butt off, working two, three jobs, trying to do my best. And then he knows stuff. And then he all of a sudden, he was working at a barbecue place, then a barbecue place and the Dairy Queen. 
then the other place, the barbecue Dairy Queen, then the other place, and it was all in the same shopping center. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, this is great. I get to just stay in one shopping center and I get triple the pay. And then he started yeah. then learning how to maximize, like how you're saying, like then if you could be a teacher and then on your side, you like to paint and you make 30,000, now you're making like 100K and you could have a little better financial cushion for vacation or whatever. But as a younger generation, what social media is doing for us that I'm seeing not so much with Nick, but just the implementation he works, he works for, uh, he works for Tesla in uh, okay. sales. And he's, he's very, he's very good at his, he's very good at his job. Um, I, I'm not trying to disclose anything. He, he kills it pretty much. And, yeah. um, so he's worked up the scale and he worked up the scale from the little, the shop boy to then the delivery guy to people and then delivering it to their homes, to the rich people. And then he started to now do paperwork. And then he started like selling cars to big people that are yeah. worth something. And then out of nowhere, he's putting in hundreds of orders every single week and he's just pushing it. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, this is great. I'm working the same job and I just work triple the money. I was like, you're doing Dairy Queen and Barbie. Like you're doing exactly what you're doing before, but now you're just restructuring it. And yeah. where I was going with that, we had a talk last night. If I'm younger and so to say, then I'm a, I have my own business. It's a small startup. I, I think of that as the teacher job. So then I say, now where's my painting job? So we were talking like with Nick, I was saying, okay, so you have steady foundation, but what about me? I was like, I have a steady foundation to, well, it's not steady at all. It's very yes. up and down, but it's now getting steadier. And now I say, so I want more now. So now where I get the residual money, I tried to, I tried it with a grain of salt with listen to Grant Cardone um, because he's very like uh, 7,000 calls a day, take all the no's, no biggie. And at least you got two yeses and then you got 10 grand. So it's like, <laughs> so I love his attitude, but I just straight up know that like, I'm not saying I'm smarter at him in any way, shape or form, but like, holy cow. Like, let's, I put a poll out last night on like, would you rather plot for like six years or so six months, start up a business? The first six months, would you rather plot for five and execute on the last month and then hope it works out? And if you know you did your work, it's going to work out. Or do you do the Grant Cardone and get the money? I just got to get the money and then we'll figure it out later. I definitely yeah. go with the first approach. Um, yeah. So, so you bring up a really good, a really good question. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we ask ourselves is how do we get that steady Eddie? You know what I mean? Like that would be nice or just another stream, right? Or just uh, to, so that's where I think where you're like, where you start small. I think mm -hmm. this is where I guess my, wow, I guess I'm shows I'm growing up and getting old. I was going to say my generation one below me, they need to start. I, if I had any suggestion of that, they have to re trigger their mind when it says get additional income. Don't think about, well, there's some people that have a lot of additional incomes. And then you say, well, then that's way too much. I don't know how to do it. And then, the, the, of course, the adults, the mentor says, with time. For a kid, that doesn't make any sense. So I just get really good at selling really quick. And it doesn't, you look way more relaxed. I don't get it. But if yes. you look at it from our perspective, the, I can answer that very quick. No, no, no. What you're looking at your mentor do is he's building a structure and he's building a platform. And that's where everyone, all the B, they BS the, I have the blueprint for you. That's not, yep. that's what, that's why they capitalize. But the real blueprint print, like we'll use exactly my business. For example, I said, all right, I want to do digital marketing. So the first six months I learned everything from SEO, graphic design, all that. And I said, what yep. do I suck at? That instantly cut all that out. Then I did Facebook ads. Now I said, all right, I have a structure for Facebook ads for events. Now I need to know how to do, like, if it's like bringing on, 
bring in like oh, thousands of people bring in is, is it the AT&T stadium like you need to know okay those are all engagement posts and for that to bring people in that's one structure great now I know I can go to any business that can afford advertising not billboard advertising but they have five grand a month perfect I for sure can bring them like a 30 percent increase to their street fair all right yeah. let's call up all the people then you say that structure is done well that's 20 businesses right there that's instantly a hundred thousand a month oh now we're talking big stuff well how did you multiply i didn't multiply i set a structure and i just copied it off with everyone else right um, so the funniest thing is i'm an i i hate the word entrepreneur it's the funniest thing uh, not many people know that but just because it's brand so well but really entrepreneurs take the biggest in my mind the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones, not the humility, the time and all that. They literally, like you said, they know what they want to do. They have a process and they go for it in a destination. But the most important thing, I really hate to say this. So take away the grain of salt. They use corporate structure. I'm doing it. I'm literally doing it. Okay. First, you need to know all the administrative stuff because I don't know. I don't want to sit there for three days trying to invoice a client. I want that money now. Well, shoot. It's like next month, I'm, or actually, no, it's this month in five days. I'm going to Arizona for a couple of days to go to Infusionsoft. I'm yeah. not humbling myself, whatever. No, Infu I, don't, I can't afford Salesforce. Infusionsoft's a good alternative. I need a CRM program now, and I need a drip campaign, and now I'm growing. I can't afford, I definitely can't manage people. I, I fired like four people this past year. I'm a, I'm a horrible boss. They're amazing people. I just can't do yep. it. But then I said, okay. I need to learn the structure of CRM and sales. What's the best one? Okay, Infusionsoft. I'm going to fly out right now and I'm going to get my Infusionsoft partnership. Now I'm good. And then for a year, I'm going to do that with my business now and I'm going to make everything refined. After that year, I may add on Infusionsoft because I'm an Infusionsoft partner. And now the small businesses I work with, they have 200 employees. Well, good thing I run your ads. I can automate everything for you. So then that's how you stick up. And then what's the final result? whoa, you just got two additional revenue sources. You're not doing extra stuff. What did you do? I right. structured it. So that's really, I think the biggest thing is having kids, and I mean kids, stick. Um, the only thing I'd say where it goes like, don't let anyone change you or stuff. That's um, honestly, if, the, if a, a person's emotionally there, then they're going to be fine. And of course, they're going to push through it. But the biggest thing, that's only like, in my mind, 0.5%. Because either way, you don't have another choice. Do it. You'll get over it. And eventually, everyone will realize it or they just won't get it. But yes. once you have the mindset of like, well, I'm either going to be lazy or like work a decent job, that's the best part. I could be 80% more lazy and then I could probably still make an income for me to have my own apartment. But I definitely wouldn't be able to have like, oh, I want to get engaged, get married, have a house. But then I right. could still live in California and have my own apartment. Now you have a whole bunch of 20 year olds in college saying, how do you do that? And that's where we get all the, that's when the fluff I hated about digital marketing. That's when the fluff comes in. Um, while we're on fluff, when I say yeah. about fluff, like I'm um, no offense to Ty Lopez, but he's taking images and saying, Oh, cryptocurrency. He's stripped picking a new thing. Yesterday was an entrepreneur. The, the cars are always there. Um, I think it's funny because it's kind of like, um, like having a relationship with another individual. I personally find it, I don't say like being crude is like hot or attractive, but it's very attractive when only I know what my girl really looks like. And I know like when I go to the gym, I start wearing jackets now. Cause I like, I'm like, man, I want to see how much more ripped I am when I get home. That's what I'm thinking about my money like now. 
Because if yep. you do that, you're putting yourself in a mindset to say, I don't want to buy all that stupid stuff. I don't want to do all that. Like I, I have a Mercedes, my girlfriend, she has a brand new Mercedes. She has payments, but she's an ICU nurse. Hers is a different structure. Mine's a paid off car as much as like a civic, honestly. So what in your industry, my industry, there's a lot of fluff of like selling on BS, which is the funny part. Even then you eventually learn how to do ads and how to, how to market and stuff. Then you're just branded as a BSer though, but you at least know how to brand now for you. Yeah. What you, what's give it because i'm gonna i'm gonna redo this i'm gonna repose i'm gonna blast this up for everyone and i want people to know because you've helped me out a lot in a sentence what do you do is it a corporate industry is it a very corporate industry um and then how much slack do you have and then finally off of that what's the fluff in your area and obviously don't give names or companies <laughs> <laughs> um so what do i do i sit down with either people or a business owner and I find out about what they want to do when it comes to like their money. And then we strategize about what they're doing, if it's working well or if it's not. And so ultimately I work in the insurance and investment arena. And I'd say overall our industry is going through a major turmoil. So a lot of people are, are unfamiliar with this, but if you ever watch MSNBC or CBS or whatever the, you know, the Bloomberg, if you ever look at the actual trading floor, nobody's actually trading anymore. And a lot of people don't even think about this, but there's literally no one on Wall Street trading because it was replaced by computers that could do those trades in milliseconds. And so what's happening in my industry is there's, there's too many people retiring and not enough people getting into the industry and so there's this huge lack of talent. And so, and then, and then technology allows us to really serve more clients because I can now replace your employees. It helps you with your good employees magnify 34. Exactly. Correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so perfect example was, would be like 20 years ago, let's say you were totally satisfied with like, you know, 400 clients now you could probably serve probably almost 700 to 800, almost double the same amount of clients by just being more strategic about how to communicate. Because 20 years ago, we didn't have the cell phone like we do today. 20 years ago, it was still very much writing, you know, letters and phone calls. So very, you know, labor intensive communication method. And just to piggyback off that, when the millions and millions of people hear this, um, so you're welcome, everyone, but <laughs> obviously joke, but um, that's funny you mentioned that because right now I'm 24 in San Diego, California, and I have a small business and it's all, it's not a digital marketing agency. I just restructure Facebook ads. Ads, I do large campaigns. So people are already doing it. The sad part is they usually have five Facebook advertisers. They usually let them all go and then I come on board and I really refine it for them. So they say like, why are we spending 20,000 a month? I don't even know. That's when the owner of the company usually says, I want to start knowing. And then I come on board and I refine it so much. But where I was going yep. at is I have been going off of word of mouth. I've pitched a couple companies, but only like three or four the past year. Um, but like, I've been going off of word of mouth and where I expand my business, like you said, it's getting more and more automated. That's why I'm going to that Infusionsoft event because I can talk, I can send, uh, do a whole bunch of email camp or ads and then people opt in for the free ebook. 
and then they can get 150 emails from me and I literally have never talked to them before. Yep. That's the craziest part. And then if you can capitalize that, that's really growing. So here's the best part. What I think is the best part, at least for me, I want to stay far away from that. I don't want to have more than 10 clients. I don't want to have more than seven because I'm using the business structure of, I'll just keep raising my prices and I can then say my service is worth X amount. So then that brings it where if I am doing a job for you, I don't have to then be dictated by the like, oh, well, they need percentages and in the industry and in this. He can show up $100,000 just to show up. Yep. I don't want to show up to get money. So the funny thing, if I ever do public speaking, I want to do all of it for free. And any money I make, I want to give back to all, a whole bunch of small businesses. But um, yep. so we never covered the fluff anyways on yours. So where is your industry of fluff? Because you strategize with money, businesses, and now you're seeing the evolution. Where are you seeing the fluff compared to your business? Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you work for a very good company. I, I don't think you would position yourself in an immoral yep. or not good future. So what? how can we compare your business to something like that from a 24-year-old's point of view? Yeah, so so I'd say like one of the biggest, as, as it kind of I mentioned, is so one of the biggest struggles is finding talent. Mm -hmm. So here's the biggest problem, Dean. Let's say you want to get into the industry. Okay. Um, you have to pass exams, okay. which will study, it's like study time. If you like literally just got the books and all you did was study, would take you about 140 to 180 hours in order to pass the insurance exams, in order to pass the investment exams. And then when you get in, you're on a straight commission. You get to call everybody in your, in, and their mom that you know personally in order to build up your client base. Sign so, me up. I want to do that. Yeah, you're like – I, I thrive off that. Give me, give me the, I don't need a list. I got all 500. <laughs> and so, so what's crazy is here is that it only attracts someone like you that says, give me the hardest path of entry and I want to do it. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing. That sounded, do you know why I want to do it? That sounds really easy. Now I don't want to be cocky or anything, but my mind, so I learned Facebook ads. I graduated college. Then the first six months out of college, I got a business degree, everything. Paid off all that jazz. We're good to go. College student could have gotten a real estate firm, whatever. Gotten yep. a company car. I didn't like that. And you said, oh, you like the hardest thing. That's the funniest part. I see that as way easy because this is how I see it. I learned all my Facebook ads on Google. So I Googled and I YouTubed and I watched YouTube videos. I did 20 hours of, I sat in my room. You can ask like my three, my only three close friends. I went MIA yep. for five months. I did 20 hours every single day for five months of full-blown funneling. And I have like 30 books of all notes and scribbles and all this. And I just did 20 hours every day. So you're like 120. So that's, so what, yep. that's, that's six days worth. All right, cool. But here's the scary part. There's kids smarter than me. I have dyslexia and ADD. There's kids that can soak. We have a real problem in my book because now that's the hard part. I have to compete. Yep. Yeah. So, so that, 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 that ultimately is always the problem, right? So the moment that you've passed and now you're talking to someone, you're like, yeah, I want to manage your million dollars. They know that you just spent a week or two just cramming and now you want them to, and now you want to convince them to manage their money. And you're there just on, isn't you're the trust for uh, interns, correct? You believe in interns, correct? Unpaid I believe, interns. yeah. I, and I believe it differently than the way the industry does it. The industry will still do it the exact same way that I just described. 
give me a list of your family and friends and let's go beat the crap out of them. I believe in more of an apprentice pro- program. And that way you start getting a different person. That's not just the type A personality that wants to run a business. You can get someone that's a little more analytical, someone that's a little bit more, um, you know, soft spoken. That's what you want. You want variety and you need to do it differently. So that's where I'd say our biggest fluff is the problem in in the, the way that we bring people on. So that's something that me and my partner, that's what he and I are looking at doing and changing as we bring on talent. Um, We're bringing on a gal here in February and she's not even ever been in the financial side ever, but she wants to have a whack. Low voice and like super mellow and what she's super. Yeah. Just totally laid back. And, but, but our strategy is let's have you slowly take those exams. Let's have you start working with clients being on the, you know, the front side, filling up the calendar. But again, she's just calling our clients. She's just calling people that we already know. Yeah, and but she also too needs to know that what they're talking about, all that jazz. So I think that's where the studying comes in. Um, yep. But also, um, I guess we could talk about since finalizing, we're talking about fluff here. Um, yep. Whether it's you, your business partner, or other great businesses like yours, um, this is the best part. If you do your own structure properly, like you have a partner and you guys have, you're bringing someone on. Now you're in a position where it's opposite of me. We can both say we're bosses but you're in a boss level scale where you're a corporate boss and you got up people, a whole bunch under you. And I'm a lone wolf type deal, but here's the best part. All the blame is on you and your partner. If you hire that girl and you don't make her successful. And I think that's the difference because you guys and other great people. And then the fluffers in your industry, they have interns. They treat them like interns. You treat your intern like an intern too, both unpaid, both overworked, but here's the difference. If I were to work for you, I know for a fact, if I didn't get the job at the end, it was because I wasn't good enough and you tried your all. That means I probably didn't try my all. And then the other people, the those bosses, if they hired her from the day one, they wouldn't have direction of being like, I want to put my time and energy into you. I think I can't wait for you to work for me. When the first thing you said was, we're bringing on a girl. Everyone else says we have interns coming. And that's where I think the difference is. Yeah. So, so it's, so that's kind of where our fluff is. I think it's just the restructuring of the entire industry. And here's the other thing, Dean, is that it's way more complicated than it was 20 years ago with people's personal finance or business finance. And so it's more of a team than it is an individual. Mm. And how many are in your team? So right now um, I have two senior partners and then there's me. I, so the two senior partners are going to retire next year. So I'm, I'm the succession plan. They retire. We have a full-time staff person. And then um, right now we're courting over another guy um, and his staff. So then there'll be four of us producers to support staff, bring on this gal in February. And then so next year, the idea then when those, when those two retire, we're hopefully going to find another person to be a part of our, our team. So there'll basically be a, three producers and then, and then probably like three or four staff. And then probably one of those is going to be like an apprentice where they're, you know, they're learning the trade. They're, you know, they're getting paid a salary. Um, they're working with clients. You know, they're learning they're it from the, the ground. Up. Plan. They're on the intern plus plan. They didn't exactly. to make it, but they made it, but watch yourself. You still got a lot of time under your belt. So we'll pay you what you're worth and we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what that allows me to do, Dean, is to be forefront 
I, so I'm a hunter, right? Like I need to be out meeting people, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies where when I need those. I need a farmer that can keep the flock in check. So that's, that's kind of how we end up checking it out. Interesting. You know, what's funny though, as I know, uh, how are you doing for time? Cause now we're at, we, we said 15, now we're already at 30. Um, so, I'm good. All right, cool. I, I have a, I have an hour slotted off for Dean. So I, I give I give, oh I give my gosh, we'll, we'll cap it at 45 minutes so we can keep <laughs> to an end goal and a structure here. But I wanted to go off of this last thing. Um, it's about when you said, shoot, let me just read, read group. Oh yes. So you have the two that are going off. You have to be off talking to everyone. You can't like, you still put in work, but it's a different type of work. Not saying that it's a different talking to people BS work. It's like you do work behind closed doors that when people are sleeping or something that you're prepping for, because you already finished your work and you're prepping for when the two guys re retire and then you're taking the spot to then be the big dog. Okay. I respect that. This is where I remembered. So you brought me on to being quicker to fire. Can you believe that? I don't. <laughs> exactly. That's no, but really, so my dad is way more brutal than me. South African, thick, like he's, he's <laughs> fire, fire, fire. He'll let you know within the first second if he doesn't like you. But um, amazing, smart, smart individual. Him and I have the same problem. We mean to say something and we implement but for some weird reason, nobody understands it, what we're trying to do in our profession. Like everything else, we're good to go. But then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, why is this a super serious business talk now? And it's like, I don't know. Why'd you make it? So that's our problem. But when it comes down to it, you were the person that made it okay in my mind. And honestly, um, as a guy, I need to start being okay with this. And then also in my heart, I fired or two of my last two employees, they quit the same day. Um <laughs> And they said, they're like, you're too much. Like uh, one of them, one of them are there that was wealthy. So they had their parents to cover. So she was like, I'll go and do real estate with them. So she had an excuse and opt out. You're good to go. I fully support that. The other dude, this is where it hurts. He was probably better than me at sales by three times better. He's a pharmaceutical rep. He's, yeah. he's he was like a young model. And it's just, the, it was so, it hurt the day that he left before he quit. He said, Thank you for finally letting me do what I love. And now I'm never, ever going to have to go back to another job again. He's like, this is awesome. And the next day he quit and he told me with the girl, he said, he's like, I need five grand every month. And I don't know how I'm going to make that. And I need the foundation. And that's where the disconnect hurt because I was like, I got to let you go, man. I, I was going to be like, oh, I got you. We can figure this out together. We'll bring on another client. And I said, I remember talking to you and it's like, no, 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 no. Interns, it wasn't about having someone as a sales guy. It was interns got to be interns. They got to get you coffee. They're getting paid because you're giving them the value because at the end of the day, if my intern's really smart, while I'm doing all my work and while I'm doing my ad campaigns, I would have my ex, because I gave her two monitors. I gave the sales guy two monitors. I would have your emails on one and I'd have the monitor with a Word doc and I would be looking at everything I do because if I'm working for me and, I'm, and then there's only two people and I'm an intern, the only best way to get an upgrade is to say, oh, yeah, Dean, I know how to do Facebook ads now. Wait, what? How'd you know? Well, you do it 20 hours a week in front of us all the time. I just watched you. And then I picked yeah. up on this and this and this. And then you go, wow, this person's intelligent. Like she actually understood and I didn't have to teach her. And she went and put the effort. That's what I want in an employee. So that's where I that not that those two individuals wouldn't be that. 
but you laid down the hammer in my mindset. Honestly, like you probably are fully credited to me being a little more harsh to closing deals and like turning down deals now, man, because well, you showed me my true value or at least what I could not get away with, but like not feel abused because I don't want to get twisted. I'm 24 and barely figuring this out. So it's like you were able, you were a part to make it. So I didn't then not be one of the kids to say, well, I don't know how to do it. I don't think it's possible. I, I turned into the kid that I then wasn't able to turn into the kid to say, well, I need five grand a month to pay rent and I have a car and all that. I, I need to go back there. So keeping in check like that, and I guess the fluff, um, it goes back to, I now fully support unpaid internship with money because if they understand the value, then I yep. fully will back them because I can promise them, yes, not like, well, yeah, if you're good enough. No, well, what's the good enough? I want to know before I start. You have to have the boss think and give you answers. Now your intern has goals. Now you yes. have someone striving for something. Now you have a team player. Now you have a real person. Now you don't have the typical shark corporate structure where everyone trashes on that where they don't care about. Now yes. you have a very good community and that's what I think I can value. And I, I may not be able... Oh, well, hopefully I can relate to a lot of this stuff, but it's just impressive seeing that you are able to build it to a bigger scale and you still keep, it's funny, you still keep the kindest, best heart, but you're the one person and the only person out of all the people that, in, that didn't even have to sell me to fire quickest out of all the business people. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, and that's kind of the interesting thing about it as, you know, you and I kind of had a good conversation and I've thought a little bit more about our conversation that we had. And because, you know, I, I think you want to almost constantly be looking for your next best hire um, because that's the person that's going to be doing something differently. So, um, so I think of it kind of two ways for, for my business. One, one staff person is going to generate revenue. That's like another salesperson. Or non-revenue generating in that they're going to free me up to generate the revenue. And so okay. I think for me, as I look at that next hire, that's what I'm looking for is someone that can free up my time to not be shackled. So right now, and I hate this part of my, 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 my job, is I'm stuck in an office about one and a half days out of the week because I need to do paperwork. I need to do some of the analytics. It's not enjoyable for me because yeah, it's a lot one of one and a half day a week, Sherman. Yeah. <laughs> preach, well, preach. Yeah. Tell me about that one and a half day you got to put in. Yeah. Let's hear it. Oh, no. Well, the, the, the three and a half, that's when I'm running, right? That's when I'm meeting with people, having conversations. That's, that's where I start revenue. But me like looking at a financial plan, me inputting data into applications that really doesn't help me free up my time. And that's really what I need. I need freedom time to go meet more people. So that way, five days a week, I should only be sitting down face-to-face -face with people. No, I should never have to open up an email or, you know, look at or, or be inputting data. I should be looking at plans and analyzing it and then having face-to-face -face conversations. And having the data ready for you when you need to see it. Exactly. It's, it's like, it's like for you at your skill set, you could probably a non revenue generating person would be creating the ads and all you're doing then is looking at it and saying, yep, let's do it or no nope. audiences. So just, exactly. uh, this is how you can automatically understand every single thing about advertising. You could probably figure out a way to put your foot in the door, but 
advertising on Facebook, the reason why it's on Facebook is because I don't have the employees or the knowledge or the care to then branch off to all these other platforms because yeah. Facebook is just so easy because it's the biggest number one. But you just yep. break it down, the content, and there's only two forms of content, written or visuals. And then visuals are any type of video, literally anything written. And then soon there's going to be audio. But for right now, just for advertising, well, there is audio, but you know what yeah. I mean. I know audio's within both because now we can put the words on literally all the videos. So audio is integrated whether you like it or not. So you do the visuals and then you do the written. And then that's the front part of the ad. Now what's left? The tracking and then the audience setup. Yeah. Now everyone puts all the time and energy. And this is why I say 90% of advertisers in digital marketing are full of it because they go so deep in the creative and then they either didn't know how to implement it or they can't afford the person that's really implementing it or even worse, which happened in my last. Yeah. By the way, I was a marketing director for six days. I got fired. Um, the guy before me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, we can have a two minute on that and uh, great company. Gosh, man, what was I thinking? Anyways. Um, or even the worst of the worst of the worst, you fool everyone that you're a really good Facebook advertiser because you have such good branding. And then somehow, some way, shape, or form, if you hire someone to implement the audiences in the back end, you yep. got you got schemed, and they're just a really good at their branding too. So then you're just yeah. all. So that's when it really. Then you relook at it, where you're like, oh, it's a commission only job. That's really hard. No, or it's like, wow, ninety percent of all the advertisers are full of it. That's so solidified. No, no, no. Think about it this way. I'm in the two percent. That's a lot easier because now there's only a little bit of me. I don't got to compete anymore. Then you say, well, yeah. who's your competitor? Who's the other 1%? This is where it hurts. It's people that are good at advertising. They mean well, but unfortunately they didn't keep up with their promises and they're good people. And now they yeah. have way too much in it. And then that's where they lose their clients. And then they don't really get the residual off of recommendation, but they get the like, he's a good person. He means well, but, and there's a lot of but, but, buts. So that yes. means in my competition, I just need to never overpromise and I win every yeah. time. That's literally it. So that way, if it, that way, it makes it stupid simple. I'm not that good enough. How do I know? Because I need it. I can't overpromise. Okay, then it needs to be cheaper. Looks like you need more clients. You want less clients? You want more money? Get better at what you do. Okay, simple as that. Ta-da! I just figured that out. So, yeah. but it took me. It took me two years to figure out what I could do for that. Um, yeah, that's really insightful, though, Dean, to be able to recognize. So, so that's that. I think that's a problem with a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs is they grow too fast, thinking that they're chasing revenue, when in reality, what they should be chasing is quality. Because yeah. quality, like, like think of like your greatest restaurant there in San Diego. You don't mind waiting an hour or an hour and a half if the food is good, but I don't think there's a waiting line for an hour at Taco Bell. Um, See, that's the thing. There might be as soon as I'd go to an expensive dinner, I really would just go to Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, I totally, I'm totally with you. But that, that's no, where but I, I don't mind waiting if you're with friends and all that. I get it. Yeah, it's like there's this one bushfire or something, and I don't go there a lot because it's expensive. It's like 24 a plate. But, like, if it's a date out, of course we'll go. Like, if you're like, oh, I'll go out with my girl and then, like, put the kids away. Of course I'll go sit for an hour and we'll make an event out of it because there's quality. Yes. And and that's where it is for you. Like I don't mind holding on my advertising dollars if I know Dean is going to be give, going to give me the best results mm. 
mind waiting. I don't mind waiting 90 days. I like, wouldn't you rather have a waiting list than trying to develop this strategy or, you know, hire these people just to be able to take on more and more clients. I'd rather, I'd rather have a waiting list. So here's the funny thing too. You have to also, if I had to give any invoice of what I found most successful, like, Whoa, I didn't, if I did this way earlier, my thought process to turning down um, clients and then my thought process also to um, never selling short or pretty much just understanding when or when not to say yes and no. Because if you're like, like for me, how I sell the, my best sell right here, I'll, I'll pitch to you right now for whenever you want to do advertising, it'll take 45 seconds. I don't know if I could be your advertiser, Sherman. I really don't. It's not off of my skill. I think I'm amazing at it. But why I'm telling you I don't know if I can is because, for one, I haven't even talked to you right now what, what you want to do with your advertising. Do you see what I just did there? I didn't make a BSL. Yep. I point out the number one biggest thing that's the biggest insecurity. Well, he's just going to try to sell me and BS me, and then I need to try to figure out how that's going to work from business and how is it going to work from business. I just said it right away. I don't know. I need to see. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm very horrible at, um, at, a, at, a, very, at a high-paying app. If there was a $30 app right now, I would turn down that client. I would say, no, thank you. I could do a really good job of it. Don't get that twisted. I would do, I'd do better than 80% of everyone else. But my, but my standards, I'm not that good because I can do way better than other things. And it's still Facebook advertising, but I would be lying to him. And then now what am I doing? Money, yep. money, money first. We'll figure it out later. No, no, no. That's right. not what I do. Right. You know? and, and that's important to understand where you want to stay in the stand, sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you and I go to Walmart, we know we're not going to buy uh, Louis Vuitton. That's not their sandbox. True. Um, however, 15 years ago, just so you know, a lot of people don't know this, Walmart spent millions of dollars to launch um, high-end clothing in their stores they did it down in new york city times square spent like i think a couple million bucks to be able to brand it and it totally flopped because if i go into walmart i'm not going for high-end brands correct and luckily they were smart enough that they totally dropped it within probably about 30 days because they realized what are we doing we're not in that space we're we are low cost no frills that's Walmart. Don't try to get into stuff, you know, stay in your lane. That's that phrase, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. It's true. To be totally honest, if you want to get really real about it, I'm not. So say we're both the same age, but our skills are exactly the same. So if any, if I, when I share this and anyone that's my age, then be like, well, they don't pull like the Gary V card or whatever. It's like, well, he has this, this, and this more than you with time. So let's just say this, because I know a couple individuals that are in the same spot as you that are killing it. And they're a little bit older than me, just pure bone. They're just golden naturals they just kill it they're pulling in like two salary and like their company car is a porsche 911 but they live in like an apartment so with all their friends because they're only a couple years older than me but anyway what i was getting with that is um where in your business in your so you structure all of the millions and millions of so let's say a company has 10 million a year and you say all right i got this i got the strategic money plan free in your business Yep. Just like Walmart was like, yo, we got the money, we can do this. And 15 and 15 years ago, they dropped out of halfway through the month. So they knew they weren't in their lane. Where in your industry is it um, treading 
um, where in your industry is it treading? Well, what's the industry standard? Just give a general. So you say you strategize your consult, say it's consulting and you bring on a client and it's for the whole year. Yep. Um, if that's the industry standard, where, what's the industry standard? Cause everyone has to put money on it. What's the industry standard pricing? And then what is a really good expensive one? And then where do you guys stand in it? Because I, I stand 15% higher in cost. I'm 15% more expensive than the industry yeah. standard. So where you see the biggest one is in, and it's pretty standard from, I'll look at like, so your biggest one that you get from an assets under management, so you're managing money, is usually in retirement plans, 401ks, which is most common. And so because it's transparent, like it's literally public knowledge, you'd be able to find out other com competitors what I'm actually charging that plan. So yeah, it's really is, got is, is, is it public financials and you can find that at the bottom of the website, right? Yep, you can. It's it's called a four fifty five hundred. Everyone has to fill it out every single year. And if what they what is that form called? A fifty five hundred. Um, fifty five hundred is the form that they can go on the bottom of a website to then see how much millions of dollars they're really working with and how much you are a part of that because that's part of their budgeting. So correct. you could see. And those are the companies you specialize and work with with your industry, correct? Yep. And then, and then what happens on the same page. is that the percentage is right there. So if you're a competitor, let's say, you know, you want to take over that plan, you could literally give a call over and say, hey, I saw on this 5,500 that was filed that your current broker is – now, it might not have my name. It might have the firm. But you'll just say, hey, I yeah, see your yeah. current broker is charging you X percent. I can actually save you. Interesting. And, and so, the, the, so a lot of times you end up seeing anywhere between like, let's just call it 0.5% okay. to, um, you'll see it low, maybe like 12, like 0.125% is the, is the, is the cost that some, you know, the fee that's on all those. Um, let's, just, let's just put that into perspective for everyone. Um, for everyone, if they're listening to this, let's put that in perspective because they're like, oh, 1.25. Whoa, you, 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 the people that are looking at that, that they're saying that's not a lot of money. Why are you doing that? They need to get their bank accounts up because the people you're working with, 1.25%, that's quite a lot of money, correct? Oh, yeah. Well, point, point 0.125. So, so you're right. So, correct. so think of it like this. So every um, million, it's going to cost them $500 at, at a company. So, but that doesn't change as each employee puts in more money and it continues to get higher and higher. So, you know, you get to a 10 million bucks, now you got five grand, right? So it can, it can, mm -hmm. it can be a, a good sum. And that's just one client. Yeah. I so, don't want to relate it to be based on money, but I was just trying to give, um, trying to give, because entrepreneurial, I say, okay, so what if I did have to go play that game? If I did, I, I play soccer. What if I did go play, play football? What position would I play in? So I'm putting myself in your shoes saying like, well, I obviously, I straight up, let's just make this disclaimer. There's no way I have the balls to ever go into just whatever, and let alone take people's clients, but then talk to corporate individuals and then try to pull this off. Because if I burn that bridge, that's a horrible way you want to go. But technically, if you were smart enough, you could go in and it's like, well, build yourself up. Technically, yep. that's the way to do it. You just have to do it correctly. But um, that's crazy. That's a good, that's a good form of information. So for every million, you're getting around $500, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's not like yeah. it's not like you're robbing the place. But think of it. It's, no, it's, no, no, it's, no, no, no. Yeah, let's make that clear. I, I'm not suggesting it's robbing. I'm just saying putting a price value, a dollar yep. amount to the services and all that. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, what I would say is, what you'll find is like. So for me, if we get over 10 million in the plan, then I end up re reaching out to my corporate partners because I don't deal with that. So because That's it gets a little. Long. Why don't you do that? So, so what happens is from a, from a risk perspective, it's a heavier amount of risk. And then from a, from a, from a company perspective, there's, there's a lot more employees. And so I need help. So I need more employees um, to help me manage that plan. So we can still take it on as a firm. It's just that we're going to, we're going to partner up with another corporation in order for us to be able to serve. Cause at that point you think about like 10 million you typically have probably somewhere close to almost 200 employees. And so with that volume, you're gonna have a lot of people retiring or getting fired or quitting. And so it requires a lot more handholding just because you know well, people need to be- Admin management. Correct, admin work. And so we wanna make sure that from our perspective, from a, our, our push is always quality of service versus quantity. And so we never wanna, just like you mentioned, we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver on our ability to serve every single one of those employees. Mm -hmm. So that's what we focus on. Even though it's that one corporation and I have a relationship with the CFO or the CEO, mm -hmm. I care about every single person that walks away from that business. And they could just have like five grand in there, but it's their five grand. That's what matters. That's a good point. Now I have a quick question for you because I just thought about this because you said if it's anything over 10 million, that's when you either recruit help, you bring in this, you bring in with your friend the other support, or you hand it off to them, which is smart. But this is what I really wanted to ask: Are you so you said you have a relationship with all the CFOs of this, or a CFO of a company or so? Um, you've grown up, and you're now obviously have more experience than me. But I personally, I want to know if this is an age thing, just me being um, not thinking this through, and I need to like humble up. But like um, working with like uh, an institute um, like not saying it was, but like MIT or Stanford or Harvard, and you did online campaigns for something like that, and you have the people that do those all online. Um, those, you're, you're the most intimidating part for any digital marketer is going into a corporate foundation where you said you bring in more troops or you hand it off. Unfortunately, for digital marketing, you either need the agency to do that, or the worst part, you're now going to have to compete with their hired agency, and that means you need to be better than all of them. And the worst part, it's pretty easy to beat it if you structure it properly. So my intimidating thing, if I had to work with a client, if I was in that scenario, um, the one thing that I could see as a roadblock, not as a problem, but um, when I talk, if you had to talk to your CFO, I'd assume that that CFO, not big headed, but like you pretty much have to quadruple check your words of what you say, because everything you say, you're talking to the CFO of the million millions of dollars company but are you looked at as the person that is managing the money and you're like not below, but like, you know, more, he just knows how to do the CFO role incorporate and you manage that with your firm. Or is it looked the total polar opposite, like in digital marketing where it goes, no, 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 this is MIT or this is Stanford. Or this is a, a, this is a whatever law school you came to us. You're the small advertiser. We know what we're talking about, you know, cause that could ruin a relationship. So I was wondering for you, um, how do you deal with a CFO? Because I would think the CFO 
Um, I'm sure there's all good ones, but at the end of the day, they're good at their craft. So that makes you, and I'm sorry if I'm naive, but that makes you mean you either have to be better at his craft equally as good, or are you placed below it? And then how do you, if you are placed below it, so to say, how do you deal with that relationship with respect? Yeah. Good question. So a lot of times the way that we view it, especially with a CFO, because you have egos, right? And you want to be aware of those and, 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 and treat, I tread only, like I, I 100% if money's involved, I check it 100% because I'm ready to take the L card. So but yes, yes, I my ego's huge. I'm, I think I'm super cocky and everything. I, I'll say it. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Um, so the, the, the way that we end up approaching and the way me personally, I approach the CFO is let me take this off of your bucket. So you have a pie of stuff that has to get done, you know? So for a CFO, they're in not only the data of today, but then they're forecasting tomorrow. They're looking at maybe other deals, maybe a merger, maybe a buyout. They're looking at the overall, um, you know, investments, the, the research and development, right? So they're really in the thick of running the business and trying to project where they're going. Yeah. And then so for us, when it comes to what we're doing on, let's say, a retirement plan, we're coming in saying, yes, we know you have expertise on running the numbers. Let us take this off of your, your, um, your scope and let's be the one that's providing you value. So we come in more of an attitude of a partner than okay. one of almost adversarial. Almost, um, and what, almost certainly from the ground up, where that's where it's funny. We ring it all the way back. Remember how we started with you're the individual that taught me to fire quicker, but then that came on to the, the conversation of you were the first person to bring me in to interns and free pay. But if the intern and the value of the intern is only valuable if it's looked at sort of like with you and a CFO, you're not an intern. Really, the intern is what the, in 2012, 2018, 2008, labeled it. What it really is, and this is what I believe, and it's hopefully the same as you, you have a younger, better cultivated individual that can come into the organization, aka you, that is extremely good at that one thing. And then that's when the ego card gets in check. Well, if you want to be a CFO, let's just put it, I thought you would for sure be doing it, Sherman, but like he's the CFO and you're growing to him. So is that when then the it's like, okay, well, then I need to know in this partnership where the respect thing goes. And then I'm assuming with time, you then have to figure out what's right and wrong, what is okay, not okay. And then with time, you got it then. Yep, exactly. And, and so a big part of what we end up asking them is how, how do you want me, what role do you want to play? And what role do you want me to play? You and me, like we're going to go on this together. How can I help? So that's amazing. And, you do that like right away. To start it yeah. out, that's right. Um, yeah, because I, I, I found, and, and, let's, and let's be honest, I've made mistakes where I've, you know, sent emails with caps on and exclamation points. Uh, <laughs> further, I'm pulling a 24-year-old card like, Dean, whoa, you've probably messed up and lost th- hundreds and thousands of dollars and even worse, Sherman, I'll even say that. You probably and your team has probably lost other companies hundreds and thousands of dollars. Maybe, yes. maybe, but at the end of the day, that's the best part about your service. If you're good enough, it's part of the plan. I guess I don't want to go back to the digital marketing, but you're set up to, in a way to where I'm sure you have the relationship to them. They and them go, Oh man, me as a CFO, I should have looked out for that. That was my bad too. And whatever. So then it's more of a team and a partnership. And then you guys bounce back and make quadruple what you just lost. So it's not as a big deal. Yes, absolutely. 
and, and that's very big summarization. It just comes to owning. You know, you, you have to take ownership of where you're playing. And so a lot of times, you know, it's just it's setting expectations. As you, you, you perfectly crafted it before, you let people know exactly who you are, what you can deliver on, and that allows for a real a, a better understanding of how things should really play out. And when you said there's one of two ways to say, like, okay, how do you want to play this? I'm the dominant or are you the dominant? Um, I think there's also, when it comes down to, you can almost blueprint when you do mess up or when they do mess up um, in, in the simplest form. I know it's more complex, but I'm just trying to simplify it for anyone else if they do listen to this. Say whatever, yeah. you're, you guys together both something and you guys are way off. You guys pull a Walmart and you think you can sell Louie. Um, yep. You take the loss. Now, when you set the dominant, who's dominant, I'm dominant, what happens when you lose? Because when I go with clients, I always, the time, 100%, never stick away from this. If I mess up, I instantly say, I messed up. But then instantly, when I do say it, I have to know my solution ready for them. Because my clients don't want to talk about the solution. They don't want to be involved in that because they're very quick to point the finger. So I could see that with you. It may be totally different because if you have someone that's dominant, you may have to say, sorry, we, we misread the, we misprojected. We, uh, we lost uh, like 2% or 0.25%. We'll be back yeah. next time. This is how we're going to do it. And he goes, great. Thanks for that. But if you have someone who's not as dominant, you say, so this is what happens. This is the situation. This is what we're feeling. What do you think? Is that something you do? Or is that detrimentally a no-go for corporate structure? Nope, nope, you're spot on. That's exactly what you want to do. You want to say, this is own up to where, where you think you felt short and then immediately say, okay, this is a solution for either one and not to happen again, or two, you know, this is exactly what we expected. Mm. So, um, so, so you, know, then do you get for the second part of that, you have someone that's not as dominant and they're like, I want you to do that. Usually that flips when something goes wrong. The people that aren't as dominant, that's when their expressions come out and they go, whoa, 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 wait, why is it not blah, blah, blah? Do you see that flip too? Because I stick, I never, if that happens for me and my clients act that way, unfortunately, I try to, to the best of my ability, well, one, not lose the account. But that's when I lay down the hammer and I say, I'm the digital advertiser. You got to trust me in this. I got to do it. And we cannot do what you're saying. I'm sorry. And then we just keep doing what I do. And I've lost one account out of the 20 I've had so far, but I'm okay with that because I, I can't lay the hammer. Can you not lay the hammer and say it like, cause I'm just, I don't know corporate structure. So I understand yeah. the first part. I understand saying like, I'm wrong. This is why I'm wrong. I understand raising your hand saying I'm wrong, my bad. But then what I look at it as you could be messing it up if you already have the solution because your client doesn't want you to have the solution because they might think of like, you messed up, you don't have the solution. Is that something you deal with? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of times in, in that kind of scenario where there, there's no, if you can, if you can help move their mindset away from blame, like, hey, it's your fault, it's my fault, it's, it just happened. Or even and on so, an individual, like, it's like, oh, we, we increased the ad spend or we projected wrong or the projections were wrong. There's no even we, the projections were wrong. So then yep. it's bad. That's all automatically. Yep. So you're saying that's bad juju because now you're blaming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, oh, people okay to blame the market. It's okay to blame the parameters. It's a, it's okay to blame like, like, so for example, let me give you an, uh, an, an example of 
um, Kohl's department stores. They sell, yeah. um, you know, clothes retail, and clothes they retail, found that all those things. Yeah, they, they found that their dominant uh, consumer is the soccer mom, okay. and so they almost everything aimed at. If, I mean, just even the way that the they call it a race, the racetrack, even the way that it's designed with like their, their, their carts and it, you know, can have kids and, but it's a basket that can, you can just shove a ton of stuff in. You can also hang clothes on in it. It's, it's designed for her mom. And so. We have one Coles in the area. I know exactly what the cart looks like. Yeah. I right now can visualize. Yeah. And so that was designed to not be like a shopping cart, like a Walmart or a target, because that's not their model. And so for, when you, when you kind of think of it from the audience perspective, like who's the end user, who's the consumer here. So when we sit down with like the CFO, did we lose you? Oh man, we lost him. So when I sit down with the CFO and then it goes dead, that's what happens. I can't work corporate. I get fired. 